You are listening to the Build Your Network podcast. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Build Your Network podcast. Sean, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, Eric. Yeah. Excited to chat about what you're working on, but I want to go back to the very beginning. Tell me a little bit about what drove you into the wealth strategy finance side of things? Because, you know, with a lot of people I interview, I can't imagine you as a, a five-year-old getting asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? And you say, I'm going to be a financial <laughs> person. <laughs> Maybe yeah. it was though. Who knows? You know, I, I've always had a little bit of that bent. Hmm. I mean, you know, I've got a big family, five brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a house or a, a, an old Chinese restaurant that went up for sale when I was seven. And I, I com- tried to convince my dad that we needed to buy that. So we could not only eat there every night for free, but, you know, we probably make some money, you know, type of a deal. But no, you're right. That, that wasn't my goal or what have you. It, but it became that way. I mean, my, I didn't have any money. Eric, right. we were broke. I mean, I, I, I grew up in Santa Barbara and that's such a misnomer because it was before it was Santa Barbara, you know, for perspective for people there. My dad was transferred to Vandenberg Air Force Base and that's that's how that happened. But, you know, my parents bought their first house for $18,000 in Santa Barbara. And, and anybody that understands that real estate there, that would be an absolute joke right now. Yeah. To be able to buy that there, I mean, a driveway, let alone a full house that goes with it. Talk about so, buy and hold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to my mom about it the other night. I go, could you imagine what that house is worth right now? It's probably $2 million, you know, yeah. but it was a great upbringing. And, you know, I had a moment. I did have a moment. You know, my I was with my mom in the car. We were getting off on an exit. You know, we were living in Northern California at this time. And, uh, you know, I heard her under the, my breath. I'm just so tired. You know, and I, I looked, I said, what's going on? You know, it was kind of like, you know, inside voice, you know, she's, oh, I just feel like the harder I work, the further behind I get. I just, I can't, you know, and I, it was at that point. So I was probably 15 that I realized we were broke. You know, I really started thinking about it, you know, at that age. And, you know, I mean, there's a lot of the social pressures in high school, like, you know, all the movies yeah. that have been made about that. But I mean, it was like, I don't want to ever be in that situation, you yeah. know? So, you know, and. I went to, I went to Santa Barbara city college for one week. I was in a bad motorcycle accident. So that, that dashed that idea of going back. I had no money, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so, you know, it was, everything was kind of by accident in the beginning. So in the beginning, my brother was working as an F and I finance manager at a, a car dealership, you know? So once I got better, I started working there and, you know, I was good. And I made a lot of money and I made a lot more money than my mom made. And she, she had gone to, you know, college. And, uh, you know, so I was like, you know, and then once you kind of get that taste and so, and then I just had one of those moments where I met the right person at the right time. He was a stockbroker. He, he and his wife had come in to buy a car. I'm like, you know, how do you do that? And he said, oh, I think you'd be really good at it. And I was like, you know, I didn't go to school. I don't have this. Ah, don't worry about it. You know, a week later I got a call. I had an interview and, 
you know, the rest is history. I mean, I went down there, I interviewed, I was our youngest manager within nine months, you know, all that stuff started taking off. But I also got a little disillusioned in that industry, um, Eric, real quickly. Yeah. I realized what was good for my clients uh, wasn't good for the company. You know, I really sapped into that when I was at New York Life. When I was at New York Life, you know, I transferred there and I started specializing in taking over retirement accounts for small companies. Mm -hmm. And I and if I didn't push the New York Life product, it, there was, you know, hey, you know. And so I was like, wait a second, you know. Yeah. And that's when I was introduced to tax lien certificates. This is probably 94 you know, for there's first I thought it was complete BS because you know, 16% mandated by state, 18% mandated. What? You know, and I went down there and bought a tax lien certificate for $54. And what a tax lien, for those of you who don't know, is that's when somebody doesn't pay their property taxes. The county is obligated to offer those up to the public. Hmm. And the public can purchase it from the county. Now, the property owner doesn't owe me the money. They owe the county. And there's an interest rate on that that's mandated in state law, in every single state. And, and so when the property owner comes in to pay those taxes off, I get that interest rate. And if they don't, I get the property. And I eliminate all liens and encumbrances, including a mortgage. I take a superior position to everything. Right. And you know, it was about six months of doing that. I'm like, what am I doing? Right. And, uh, you know, and I had a couple of people, again, some of this... You know, this attorney, big time attorney called me up and said, hey, I'd like you to teach me and my son how to do it. And uh, once I did about two days worth of training him and, I, you know, anybody out there that has been in this world of anything before, when you train somebody to do something you're doing, you get better Yeah. You know, because, I, you know, I was nervous. This guy was a big time attorney, you know, and here I am, I barely got out of high school in reality, you yeah. know, and I'm, I'm going to teach this guy something. And, uh, he taught me something really powerful because we had dinner and I told him, you know, we had, Sean, you're smart. Don't let anybody tell me, tell you your education is not. And he goes, I was self-educated. I did not go to college. I'm like, really? And he goes, and I've been on CNN and was, that was all I needed to hear. And I hope somebody out there that hearing this, and this new generation is realizing that college, you know, I don't want to say it's a scam um, because there's some good, it's good for some people there, but it's, um, the price tag has been overbilled on that. Well, let me ask you about that though, because it's something you mentioned early on in your story. And I definitely want to get into the practical side with lien certificates and that that sort of thing. But I'm curious on the mindset when I talk with people. There's, you know, I grew up pretty poor. Like, I mean, I, I didn't feel it as much as it's always funny looking back. You're like, oh, we didn't that that was not normal, you know. That's yeah, not yeah. the shared experience of everyone else. But there were, you know, I can remember like power being shut off or not having water for you know a certain period or all those sorts of things, you know? And, you know, I, and same thing, like I didn't, I realized college is kind of a, for a lot of people, it is kind of a scam, you know, for, unless you're a doctor, lawyer, you know, there's certain reasons that it exists, but I want to talk about, you said the current generation realizes this, you know, like I think everybody, I think millennial, younger, maybe even a couple before millennial would realize this, but the system's kind of broken, maybe weren't dealt the best hand in life. And there's two types of people. There's people like you that goes, I don't want that to ever happen to me again. I'm going to work really hard and get to the next level. But then it seems like the majority go, I was dealt a bad hand and college systems a, a sham. And 
I'm just going to sit and complain about that the rest of my life and not take any action. Uh, Every generation has that though, Eric. And and see, that's the problem because that hmm. becomes the victim mentality. So what's transpired over the last 40, 50 years is my generation was taught to go get a job, work real hard, and you're going to get the gold watch, which was a crock of crap. And, (laughs) you know, and so, and there's a few of us that we stepped outside the boundaries and everybody told us that we were nuts. Okay. With your generation, they realize that they can't build, sell sell that bill because that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And so what happens is, you know, there's this whole college with this big price tag. Now you have to go get a job to support the big price tag of that. Yeah. And they're almost beaten down in a lot of ways, but it's the same situation. It's just a different set of scenarios that was said of it. So if somebody looks at that and says, okay, within this system, there's mm-hmm. always a way to make it happen. And so your job as a human being in this day and age in the United States with the technology we have, we are more, <laughs> we've got more money-making abilities at our fingertips than ever before yeah. in human history. That's a different perspective, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, then sitting there going, I got shafted because of all that, because, <laughs> because that is the narrative that they've been pushing on you guys for a while, oh. you know, and I'm not going to get political on here, but they keep doing it. Mm-hmm. With the BLM stuff, with the now the uh, abortion stuff, I mean, which has been around since I was a kid, you know, and it's always there's always a crisis that you need to worry about. So I'm working with a lot of young people and it's concerning to me because there's a lot of mental health issues going on with uh, the kids I'm working with that are under 20 or excuse me, under 30. And they're just so freaked out of all the stuff that's going on. And I'm, and I'm, when I say, don't worry about it, they go, but you, you have to, I go, why, how is that going to change your world until you can make your mark in the world? You can't change that. And I think that there's been, it's a great question, by the way, Eric, because, you know, there's almost a twist in the way. And I don't know, I always hate it when people say they, because I don't know who they are. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. You know, there's this big corporate thing out there with, that's based on fear. It always has been. You know, the boogeyman's going to come get you. And there's a c- conflict in America because we are such an entrepreneur society yeah. and it doesn't go with that. Well, it's the crisis that you can't control, you know, and, and that's the thing is like, there's this crisis that you can, you know, like if you paying your rent every month or your mortgage every month is a crisis you can control in some level, 100%. like, you know, whether it's whatever generation had its own thing, whether it's fear of nuclear war and, you know, you watch movies from the fifties, the you've got the, that threat looming over that could freeze you up in your day to day. Whether the 50s, it's you know, about, I was going you know. to school in the seventies and we had to learn how to get <laughs> under our desk. Right. You know what I mean, when we were kids, you know, and so this, you know, so my nieces, uh, two nieces and a nephew were living with me while they were going to city college. They all went on, they did the smart thing. They got their core classes out of the way at city college. Two of them went on to Berkeley with honors. One went three years into a doctorate and left. But, um, you know, it was funny. One night I came home and I travel a lot. I've been around the world multiple times, several dozen in fact. And I had, I'd gotten back and my niece um, was sitting there and she was, you know, had this look on her face. What's going on? And she says, I'm just reading about Rwanda right now. I kind of must have rolled my eyes. She goes, what? That's not important. I go, well, I guess it is, but I mean, not to me. She goes, that's not important. And I go, look, I know what I can control and what I can control is not that, you know? And she went into this whole diatribe of how we needed to go in there. And I went, oh, wait a second. That sounds like preemptive to me. And then, you know, we started getting the political deal. And I said, look, what I can control is who I am and how I can impact people in my sphere. I do not have Elon Musk type of control. And I understand that. 
So, but I also not unaware of it. I said, are you also aware there are 47 civil wars going on right this very moment? And she kind of looked at me and I go, I'm aware of it. That doesn't mean I don't care. And so what's happened, you know, and I wrap that right back around to these kids I'm working with, you know, one of them the other day said, what do you think is going to happen in Ukraine? (laughs) Now (laughs) I am highly educated in the political world. I read Mm -hmm. feverishly. And I hang out with some really cool people. I've been very successful financially. And there's not anybody, including Harvard grads, that can I cannot have conversations with, especially on a geopolitical. I understand yeah. it very well. And I said, Alejandro, you can't even tell me where Ukraine was six months ago. And all of a sudden, now it's super important. And going back to what you and I were just talking about, one of the things that I think that, that the younger generation needs to understand is master yourself master your surroundings, build that war chest. You have a moral and ethical obligation as an American to do so. And I will say that yeah. there, I, I have been to these places. I was on a call last night with some people in Africa. We're doing some stuff, charity work over there. They don't have the opportunity that we do. So, yeah. you know, the sitting on your laurels and going, <laughs> Oh, poor me type of a situation is a choice. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, but it's really, you know, there's a new thing that's happened and we're, you know, it happened so fast that I really empathize with you guys because, you know, it's (laughs) like, oh shit, you know, all this social media coming out, you know, oh my God, this is a crisis. Well, we've never had that. There's never been a time where you can instantly get updates by the minute. I mean, there were newspapers or, you know, I mean, we've had worldwide news for a long time. I mean, for centuries, but not like this, not instantaneous. and. Also on the flip side too, it's uh, the funny thing, and we could talk about this forever so we can move on right after this. But one of the things that's really funny is like, I've been to Rwanda and and driven around and and there is some element of privilege to be able to sit back and be worried about every other issue in the world. Yes. You know, like the people walking around in these areas in Rwanda that are still recovering from civil wars there, they 100%. don't have time to worry about, did you see what's happening in Ukraine right now? <laughs> did you see what's happening? And with uh, COVID and, you know, you, the U S right now, like there's no time to think about it. Cause you've got your day to day, you know, the, the fact that we I have was, time is a big sign. We've got a lot of time on our hands. <laughs> well, time in our hands that we're not utilizing correctly. And I think that that's a good, I talked to my son who's 24 and I said, mm-hmm. you know, until you understand politically what's happening, you know, you got to go back four hundred years to think about what's happening in Ukraine and what have you, that yeah. gives you perspective. And I'm not justifying anything that, Putin's doing, he's a moron, but I mean, you know, the understanding of what's going on over there isn't a minute by minute type of situation. That's your point. You, you know, we haven't had a generation that had such, and I'm just as guilty, you Mm -hmm. know, where you're looking for the whole thing, looking for the whole thing. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 slow down. So here's another thing. Let's just go all the way back to World War II. (laughs) You know, when the Doolittle raid, you know, for those of you who don't know that, um, Captain Doolittle took B-24s off an aircraft carrier just to just to have a victory against Japan after Pearl Harbor. It wasn't meant as any military impact. There was nothing strategic about it, but we needed a win. It took three to four months to put together. It was a suicide mission. They knew it going off. Everybody that volunteered knew they were going to fly there. They were going to drop a load over Tokyo. And that was it. They were done because they weren't going to have the fuel to go anywhere. Well, they got a tailwind. And they made it to the shores of China. One, um, like one even crashed like 300 yards off and swam in. Almost all of them survived. And they started running from the Japanese. This is what social media didn't have back then. 
The Japanese beheaded 253,000 Chinese with samurai swords for three months straight, chasing the Americans. Imagine had that been reported on. We didn't even know about that until 1998. So, I mean, that 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 is exactly to the point. Imagine what would have happened during World War II if we would have heard the horrors of what was yeah. what was. And, you know, that was my point with the whole Ukraine thing. He's going, oh, my God, the atrocities. And I go, whoa, 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 buzzword. When did that word start coming up? You know, so yeah. it's, it's um, I feel for you guys in that way. And so it takes a special person, I think, Eric, to compartmentalize that and really put your feet in the ground and say, I can control what I can control. Yeah. And I need to master my world before I can start making impacts in others. Right. And it, it also comes down to what you were talking about. I mean, it also brings down to who you're surrounding yourself with. One of the biggest things right now, like you mentioned, who's they, you know, I love asking people when they say, Hey, everybody's saying this. And I always go, who's everybody. And they're like, I don't know these people on Twitter, you know? And, but one of the things that's really key is like, you did this early in your career. Hey, you're, you have a life that looks interesting to me. I'm going to put myself in a position to learn from you. So you surrounded yourself with the network that was able to teach you what they were doing. And obviously, as you learned it, you'd see things you didn't like, you'd adjust, move to something else. But tell me a little bit about the importance of building that network and what that taught you early in your career as you tried to change the the course of your life versus what you'd known growing up. So that's a great question, Eric. The one of the things I did is surrounded myself with the right people. And at first it was by accident, but real quickly became on purpose. When I started doing tax liens and tax deeds, and working with this attorney and showing him how to do it, you know, uh, he asked me to come speak to some of his clients. And I expected to be like, you know, 15, 20 people in a, in a boardroom. And there were 350 people. They were all doctors and lawyers. And I'm like, what the shit just happened? You know, <laughs> I got to get on stage. And I sucked. I was horrible. But I hired, you know, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Donald Moyne. He has a book called Unlimited Selling Power. And I read it and it was really, really powerful. I looked him up. You know, I've paid him over six figures over the last 20 years easily to come analyze what I was doing. That's the first person. I have literally anything I'm doing, I I seek out the best people in that area and I am not afraid to pay. You know, I pay big money, um, sometimes six figures in just a year, getting the right people around me to make that happen. So there's the business side of it is just, it's don't be afraid to go to the best. Why not? I mean, if I'm looking to learn how to run a football team, I am not going to be going to, you know, I don't know, New York, Buffalo bills or whatever. (laughs) Somebody's going to get pissed at me for saying that, but you know, there's organizations out there that constantly are at the top. It's all management. Right. So if I'm going into a particular industry, let's just take real estate, for example, because I was just coaching somebody on that. I go, you find the best person in your area. I mean, that literally is knocking it out of the park and you carry their bags for two years. Literally, don't expect to get paid. But after that, you will make six figures for the rest of your life. And, um, you know, I don't think there's enough of that. There's a lot of I can just learn it on my own. And that is the biggest mistake in the world. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. With that idea of finding someone who can teach you, you know, especially, and I agree, it's good to pay your way. It fast passes you a little bit, gets you somewhere faster. You get to skip other people's mistakes. But when you're first starting out in any industry, whether it's real estate, whether it's learning about tax liens, whether it's learning about fill in the blank, any of these categories, how do you vet the people that you're trusting to teach you the way? Because you know, and again, if you don't know real estate, right? you yeah. know. Yeah. yeah. Another great question. And just look at what they're doing. You know, again, that's a great question in so much as you can't. What you have to do is listen to your gut. You know, there's a great book by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink. And it talks about, um, uh, you know, your, you know, it, you know, women's intuition, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the women, the reason women have to have that intuition, because until up to like 50 years ago, they had to, or they were going to be yeah. killed, raped and pillaged. You know what I'm saying? And so they're hyper, I call them spidey sense. My staff will always sit there and go, I go, yeah, my spidey sense of saying this dude's not who I want to work with. And um, so you have to listen to that. And it doesn't take long to find the BS within, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a great question. And you just got to, you know, don't be afraid to cut quick. Mm. Also, don't be afraid to interview long, mm. you know, and it goes the same way with hiring fire quick, um, hire slow. And so, you know, you know, I, I was talking to a group of guys about, um, uh, you know, picking a life partner, a, a, a spouse, there's nothing more important than that mm-hmm. you know, because, 54% of them ended up in a split. And I said, you guys are going to think I'm super callous. This is a business. At the end of the day, you know, you've gone through divorce once. It is a business situation. And it taught me a lot when I did, it was, you know, 15 years ago, but I was like, oh, wow. Okay. This has nothing to do with that. I, you know, and they say, oh, you're cold about this, but that's what it ends up being. Yeah. Who's the best business partner for you? Who's going to run your household? Who's going to run this? Who's going to help you with your business? So it's the same type of a, atmosphere. And I think that that's a big thing that people make mistakes, not just business partners, but who's your partner mm-hmm. and are they on the same wavelength? You know, I had somebody that I met recently that I really impressed with. They said, you know, me and my spouse, 22 years, I said, wow, that's what, that's amazing. And just, you guys are just on point. 
lot of work. I says, I uh, hear that all the time, but what's your, a lot of work one time a year, they take three days, they go somewhere, no cell phones, no nothing. And they sit and talk. They talk about finances. They talk about uh, faith. They talk about uh, careers. They talk about where they want to travel. Are we on the same page and how do we get back on the same page? And I go, that's incredible because guess what? We all do that in business. Mm -hmm. Where's the, where's the, are we first and 10? Are we, uh, you know, are we first and two? Where are we at business-wise? But, you know, if you don't check yourself on those items over there. So again, just like what you said with business, how do you find those mentors? You find somebody that has been successful at that and go from there. The other thing that I think that a lot of young kids make a mistake is they think everybody, (laughs) the the overnight success. (laughs) You know, I was talking to my son. I said, I don't think you realize, man, I ate Campbell's soup tomato soup for like 28 days straight one time, you know, be, you know why it was 28 cents a freaking can and I could eat. I, that's what I had right. you know, at that point. And uh, I go, it just is what it is, you know? And yeah. I don't think that if you look at what people do to get that overnight success, I think Elon Musk is probably the best example of mm-hmm. that. If you read his book, um, it is um, it, it's spot on that. I mean, you don't have to be hyper uh, obsessive like that, but uh, it helps. Yeah, for sure. Well, I, I want to get a little bit practical here on just what people should be thinking about because I, I, there's probably, I mean, whether they're entrepreneurs, whether it's somebody who's listening to this podcast, who's at a nine to five trying to think like, oh, it sounds great to even get out of a nine to five. You know, they probably relate to, you know, what your mom said, which is the harder I work, the further I fall behind, you know, and we talk a lot about, you know, anybody who reads entrepreneurial books talks about the idea of trading hours for dollars, you know, and that, that mindset. So the idea of wealth and the idea of having a life that you want is elusive to everybody from business owner back, you know, to college student, what should be some of the first practical steps someone should take to evaluating what they want and taking the steps to get there? And I know that's a question you could probably talk about for hours, but what should be some of the first steps someone could take today to start evaluating what they want and actually start building real wealth? That's a great question, Eric. Um, you know, these are all really good questions. It's so practical and so, so basic. And it's, and this is where, this is where the rubber meets the road, but the most difficult part people have, because it sounds so boring. You know, you got to have scheduled success time. So if yeah. you're not scheduling once a week to look at where you're at and where you're going, you're, you're already behind. Mm-hmm. So there's some basic steps. First of all, I think debt is the big enemy right now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we talked about student loans and what have you in the very beginning. And that's just, you know, hey, whatever. It's a cop-out. Stop. Mm-hmm. Dave Ramsey, who I'm a big fan of, um, his, he's a little too much aggressive in this area, but he gives a great principle of pay your freaking debts because it gives you so much horsepower going on. So set up a plan to get out of that. Number one. Number two, then you've got to decide what you're going to do extracurricular. What is that thing that you're going to do to get to where you need to be to make it happen? The challenge with that is, let's just take my industry, which is investing in real estate, one of my industries, is the traditional thing is, well, I got to go save some money for a down payment and buy a house. That's one way to do it. You know, um, not the way I would choose to do it. I have done it that way, but that is not necessarily what I need to do. I need to buy my home. Really? Do you? Did you need to go to college and get $200,000 in debt too? Mm-hmm. Let's reevaluate that. Your home's not paying you crap. So why would you, why would that be your first priority? I'd rather get a house that's actually paying me money. Mm-hmm. And, but nobody's telling that because that doesn't feed the system, you know, the banking system and everything else like that. Don't kid yourself. I have friends that own banks. They make a truckload of money. 
So if I've got a house and, 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 and be willing to do what it takes to make that stuff happen. So what are you willing to do to give up to, to, to live like that? Hmm. So if you look at any one of my friends and we all go out to dinner and then if that dinner conversation turns to remember when hmm. there's a big lesson there. Remember when we had to remember when we did this, remember when we, you know, all these different things that we got to the point of an Elon Musk Christmas Eve, 2008, that's getting funding at 4.30 in the afternoon to keep his company going. Yeah. And then what everybody, you know, and he did, he got the money, he made payroll and a week and a half later, got a SpaceX contract from the government for 1.4 billion and was paid up front. That wasn't luck. You know what yeah, I mean? He right. Serious decisions at that point to move forward with that. And that's the whole thing. Everybody gets lucky. So here's another example. I've been to Africa um, uh, multiple times, Rwanda, you mentioned that but Tanzania several times, photography, Egypt, what have you. I got to know some really good people there. And I was thinking, I want to do a mastermind in, in Tanzania. I want to go to the Serengeti, you know, whiskey, cigar with 14 really cool people, spend, a, a, you know, two weeks there, dig into finances, dig into, you know, why we're looking at animals and the Maasai warriors and looking at some great things. So I've been working on that for nine months. And, uh, you know, there's those seeds you plant. It's just a little here and a little here and a little here. Make phone call here. What if we did this here? And I get a call from one of my um, photographer companies that, that, you know, I'm going to Mongolia in July to do some photos. He goes, Sean, I've got an idea and I'm dying to share it with you. I'm thinking of buying a camp in Tanzania. I just started laughing. What's so funny? I go, well, I want to hear your idea, but I think it's a really good idea. So by the end of the conversation, I'm like, actually, we can fund that. It becomes almost an Airbnb, and this thing's going to make close to $400,000 a year with a 33% occupancy factor, which I think we're going to be able to hit. Everybody would say, that's lucky. My son, who's 24, he, he goes, what just happened with that call? I tell him, he goes, that is so weird. You've been working on that for nine months, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden, but that wouldn't have happened. You, know, you follow what I'm saying? So- yeah. Don't be afraid to start the big idea and just chip away at it, chip yeah. away at it, chip away at it. These things don't happen. I've got three properties that I'm selling this next month that I've been chipping away at for um, a year and a half. Yeah. But, you know, and there's a little phone call here. There's a bid here. There's a bad contractor here. There's a freaking COVID that's screwed up all getting title cleared and stuff like that. Yeah. But everybody's going to see, oh, you made $504,000 on these three deals. Okay. You could yeah. look at it that way too. Right. You know, yeah. so there's so many things in life that you can equate it to. So what I'm telling everybody is get your financial house in order and be on purpose. I want to be successful financially. Specifically, what does that mean? Does that mean a hundred thousand dollars a year? Does that mean 200? Does that mean paying off all your debt and staying at your job? Cause that's way okay. You know, I see a lot of people that are debt free living in the same house and they're taking the big vacations and they got that steady Eddie. That's great. But the people that get stressed out in that area are not paying attention to that yeah. and are not doing the things in the beginning that pay off in the long run down the road. Yeah. It's, it's better helpful? to have any plan than no plan for sure. Yeah. That's super yeah, helpful. Yeah. It's yeah. just, and then, you know, really pursuing the thing out there. And I want to say the first and foremost thing is you got to get control of your debt. You got to understand how money works. Yeah. You know, what, what is, you know, you know, if you're paying for a, a car on finances, you know, look at the paperwork, mm -hmm. you know, you, you just negotiated for three hours to get the best price on that car. Why you just financed it. 
and paid another $20,000 in interest. Well, wow. I was, you know, you're a great negotiator, aren't you? You pay that thing off as quickly as possible and then just trade car for car as you're mm-hmm. going on. So you never have a car payment. You know, I, I picked up somebody from the airport about uh, nine years ago and uh, he worked for me and he gets in the car and he's like, this is your car, my airport car. He goes, <laughs> he's like, what year is this? I go, I don't know. I think it's an 06. It's a Prius. This is the most basic model in the world. I go, dude, this thing gets like 50 miles to the gallon. And I go, and I pay four grand for it. He goes, you're driving a $4,000 car. Well, I've got a Maserati in the garage, but yeah, this is my main car. I'm not going to pick you up in it. (laughs) Yeah, It's paid for, you know what I mean? So there's a lot to be said. And I don't think that's being taught anymore. I don't think that that's, that's uh, that core value is being taught that you have to be the master of your own house. So you can make decisions because of the right decision, not because you have to make a decision. Yeah. That's huge. Yeah. well, like this conversation's ripping by, uh, which means it's a good conversation, but I know we've got about six minutes left. So I want to ask you the question we ask everybody that comes on the show. Uh, do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? Uh, what you know gets you to who you know. Hmm. Okay. So what you know will get you in the conversation to get with the people that you, who, who you need to know. Hmm. So for uh, that perfect is a great question because that's what happened last night. The reason Dave called me and not any one of his other clients because he knows I deal within that world because of my knowledge. And so I was with the right person at the right time because of the knowledge that I have. Does that make sense? Yeah. Building off that though. So like, and obviously you meet people who then give you more knowledge who enable you to meet more people. How do you level up your network without necessarily having the same level of knowledge as the person you're trying to reach up to? You don't want to. So you don't want to um, uh, level up with the same knowledge. You want to find yourself in the room where you're the dumbest person there. This is so important. Literally, if you go in, there was one mastermind that I was involved in. It was $25,000 a year. And uh, about the third year into it, they asked if I could give a presentation on one particular model. And I walked out of there. I go, yeah, this will be the last time I come here. I don't mind doing that, but I want to be in a room where I'm going. If I'm nervous, mm-hmm. You know, I was in a leadership program in Dallas one time. It was a one-year program and there were 17 people in there and I'm sitting there having coffee and whatever they were serving before it got started. And, and I'm listening to these, you know, one guy is getting ready to sell a company for $468 million and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I'm in the right room. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? I've got to my stomach. Know, like, I'm pretty sure stay here for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is, and you know what, these were the, you know, it's funny is that guy that was selling the company, Ashley called me six months later for some um, help in that sell of that company. And that was a big deal for me. I was like, wow, okay, maybe I do add value to this whole conversation, but you know, getting in the room where you feel, I don't want to say that you don't belong, but you're definitely, you know, breathing air. That's more money than you got is very important. Definitely. Constantly look for that because you are the sum total of the five people you hang out with financially. Well, speaking to the value of, of networking, uh, before we move into our random round, I do want to give you a chance to talk about the conference you have coming up in June, because it seems like an opportunity to do just what you're talking about, getting around the right people. Uh, can you give our audience just a little bit of insight on that just before we move Absolutely, in? I don't yeah. want them to log out before uh, they yeah, hear go, you know, You can go to my, um, uh, my direct site there, Sean, S-A, remember it's S-A-E-N, and that is pronounced Sean360.com. And there's a, right when it opens up, there'll be a link that you can go to the, um, the, the conference ticket. So what I've done with this is for, for you, Eric, is they go on there and if they type in the, the code there, it's a $1,400 ticket 
they can get a thousand dollar discount for two people. That's for two people, but it's three days in Miami. Um, this is one of the first conferences, live conferences I've done in two years. Um, I used to do 150 a year for hmm. 20 years. And I've got some really cool people. I've got a guy that uh, manages $128 million on Wall Street. I got a lady in there that uh, that has uh, assisted living for elderly in houses where she's getting twelve dollars to $15,000 cash flow per house. Hmm. Um, I've got an asset protection attorney that just, man, he's just so good. I've got a multifamily um, guy. So it's just education. I mean, yeah. just come in there, spend three days, you know, we're going to have fun. So we're going to have some fun. It's going to be a blast. I mean, you're, if you want to learn how to buy, I just bought a house. The one, one of the ones I'm selling, I got one of those houses for $7,000. Hmm. Okay. I'm putting $20,000 with a rehab and it's going to be sold for 120. I'll show you step by step how you can duplicate that process. Yeah. Just come to the conference. Yeah. If, if you're listening to this, I mean, and you, the thousand dollars off isn't enough. One of the things that Sean was telling me before we hit record was that he was telling someone, one of the principles that you're going to be teaching at the conference. And they asked, is that legal? Because it sounded <laughs> way too good to be true. And that's the kind of stuff that I love to hear is the stuff that's so ridiculously powerful and life-changing that you're sitting there going like, am I going to get arrested? Like, are feds going to bust to my door? Cause this is so good. Like <laughs> I've heard that so yeah. many times over the years, 16% mandated by the state. Seriously. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, no, you guys, I, we've been doing it for 30 years and, you know, and, and that's another thing. Don't get involved in something that hasn't been around for a while. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Get rich quick stuff. There's no such thing. You know, it doesn't work that way. Absolutely. Well, I want to let you go in just a minute, but I want to try to get through a rapid round really quickly. I'm going to ask you a couple of quick questions, get some quick answers, and then we'll let you go. First and foremost, what profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Fun to attempt. Are we looking for a financial side of it or just any fun? anything? If you want to be a rock star, you know, whatever your your other profession you think it would be fun to to be involved in. That's a tough one because I kind of love what I do. Um, <laughs> photography. You know, I do photography all over the world. I've got awards on it and stuff like that. You know, if I could figure out how to monetize it and not just be a guy carrying the camera, I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, if you could sit on a park bench with anybody past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? John Maxwell. I know him. Um, I've traveled with him. And, you know, the one thing I learned, you know, early on with John is if you have, if you don't know him, he's a leadership guy and um, you better bring a pad of paper when you have just the dinner. He, just the things that comes out of his mouth is so profound mm -hmm. and so powerful that it just makes you think and pause. So John would be, be my inner circle for sure. Great answer. Um, how do you like to learn best? Is it books, blogs, podcasts, videos? Uh, what's your favorite way to consume new information? A little bit of both. Um, you know, I've got into the whole audio books. You know, I, I don't not get in my car unless something's playing. You know, it just doesn't happen that way. And then in the mornings, I always try to find something I can put in my brain. I have a speaker in my shower that mm -hmm. um, uh, I will listen to something um, that gets me rolling. Sometimes I get hooked in some things and I have to change it up. But uh, um, there's that. You've got to make the time uh, for that. Um, and last but not least, I think that your morning routine is the most important. I think Tim Ferriss has got an award-winning podcast on morning routines. Listen to it. There's four or five different routines in there that you can steal. You know, if the if there's one thing I can tell people getting started, if you don't, and they this look past this, if you don't have a morning routine, good luck. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. Right. Get up, prayer, meditate, work out, 
you'd rate, you know, just that whole thing. You know, I got somebody the other day said, and you get up at four 30 every morning. I have to, yeah. you know, I've got a seven-year-old daughter and mm-hmm. things start happening at seven o'clock in the morning. And if I don't get my stuff at my needs, I've got to take care of myself. If I'm going to take care of other people. Yeah. And, and the way to do that is my morning routine for sure. That was my next question was what your morning routine was. Uh, but I feel the same way. I, I started getting up at five. I'm not a morning person, but I have a four-year-old. So I was like, if I don't, I'm going to be surviving the rest of the day, which is not good. Which is not so, good. And you get ahead of the ball on that. So what I yeah. do is I get up at 4.30 every morning. I do breathing exercises. And then I do foam rolling. I start working out at 5, 5 a.m. I moved a gym into my house and it's pretty badass, actually. It's not, you know, it's literally in my garage, but it's nice. I mean, I love it. You know, I got a really nice gym nearby. I hardly ever go to anymore. You know, boom, I get done with that. I have uh, my drink in the morning, which consists of uh, two scoops of protein, a pea protein, some apple center vinegar, a little uh, flaxseed oil, um, some cup of fruit, blend that up. That gives me my 30 minutes of protein right when I'm done, you know, um, get up, make my daughter's breakfast, make her lunch, get her ready for school. Um, we have, a, I don't want anything in front of me when she sits down for, for, um, uh, for a food in yeah. the morning. I want to be able to have a fun conversation with her. Um, and, I mean, I get really on purpose about that. We get in the car. First thing I say is what kind of day are we going to have? And so we go through a whole, we're going to have, you know, you got to bring it to a seven year old's level, but, uh, and then we pick a song that we're going to sing on the way to school you know, and that type of a deal. So that's, you know, pretty much boom, 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 boom. boom. You know what I mean? Love it. Last question. What is something that you're not very good at? Spelling. Hmm. I suck at spelling. I'm also a slow reader. I mean, Hmm. I've probably read more books than most people I know and have known over the years. I'm an avid reader, but that's because I just said, I'm going to read, but my spelling is atrocious. It's just yeah, horrible. Sure. And people that can spell don't get people that can't spell. <laughs> no, so right. I just hire people that can and they proof all my stuff. You there know? you go. Perfect. Uh, and then uh, where's the best place for people to find you online if they want to connect with you? I know you mentioned your website. Is that the, the best route? Yeah. 360.com. It's going to go my YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel. I got some great content on there. Um, that's been blowing up. Um, I've got, uh, all, you know, I got club 401k. I, I have a company that sets up customized retirement plans for people, which is something we haven't had time to talk about. That's one of my most important things I do with my clients, you know, and again, events that are coming on, the big one is going to be Miami. That's going to be kind of a blowout. We're going to have a lot of fun at that one. So awesome. Well, Sean, 360.com S A E N 360.com. Definitely go check it out. Sean, thanks so much for a great conversation. I really appreciate it. Eric, this is fantastic. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group podcast to profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.